Shut up and sit down. Hi, I'm Corbin. And I'm Katie. And we are the, the Vagabonds. Two best friends adventuring through the world of lady stuff, one episode at a time. We don't give medical advice, and we don't seek for anyone other than ourselves. We're just recording conversations we'd be having at bars anyway. Hello. Hello. What's How up, are friends? you? Just living the dream. Here we are. We're here with another guest today. Ooh. Another guest? Another guest. Do, can our <laughs> listeners handle this? I mean, I hopefully. <laughs> Let's be honest. We're trying to like get all of our guests in before we uh, all split up. <laughs> yeah. So here's Rose Olson. She's a friend of mine from college. Hi, everybody. Hi, Rose. We'll talk more about why she's here later. But yeah. Thanks for joining us, Rose. We're excited. Yeah, I can't wait. Thanks for having me. Uh, what's going on? Um, well, I just lip synced all the words to our intro, so <laughs> I think that I might choreograph a dance to it. Oh, I don't know. That's I think that will fun. be really add a lot of content for our podcast. I'll put a video <laughs> on Instagram or something. Carmen, handle sass right now. This is our last episode as non doctors. I know. Last episode is. Think about that. Stop. Think about no, that. No, I don't like thinking about this. What do you mean? I'm it's so brilliant. Scared. It's brilliant. Anyway. Um, the better question for Rose is, is all the snow melted in Minnesota yet? Uh, yes, finally, I think. <laughs> good. Probably up, not, not up in the north, but over in Minneapolis, we're good, finally. Nice. That's nice. Yeah. I am I am positively, uh, my mind is blown by this beautiful weather. Uh, that so we're having nice. in Iowa. I don't know what it's like in Minnesota, but it's totally beautiful. I, I so Gorgeous. today I I had to bring my son to a friend's house just before we started recording today, and on my way back, um, Rose, long, uh, listeners will know that our family is buying a house, and on the way home, I decided to drive by the new house, which we haven't uh, you know taken possession of yet, because I wanted to see what it looked like in the spring, mm. which has which makes no sense. If you think about it, because the leaves really aren't out yet. There's nothing physically different about it just feels how good. it looks like. It's, it's almost literally like I wanted to see this house in a different temperature. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it was lovely. It was a different it was a transformative experience. Yes. You know, I just will we'll say that. But the weather is making me a little bit crazy. Have you been on a motorcycle ride yet? Oh, yeah. Oh, good. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Even just riding to work is. Oh, it's so much better. Yeah. Okay. So this is speaking of riding to work. I schedule a rotation for April thinking, oh yeah, I'll be able to bike to the hospital. Okay. <laughs> fuck you, April. Like half the month it was fucking snowing outside. I bike to work for a whole week. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Ugh, so stupid. But yeah. that one week of biking was beautiful. Yeah. So except for on Friday when I biked home, I almost fell off because it was so windy. It was like, the was wor- I don't know what was happening. There was actually a fire, uh, weather warning on friday because of the wind like a fire there was a fire risk yeah in in iowa and i was like what the hell is this and i remembered like it was so gusty i'm not used to having this much wind in southeast iowa yeah it's like a northwest iowa well you know as uh as we ignore climate change yeah we'll enjoy more we'll enjoy more of that good times yeah 
So, uh, like I said today, I, we have Rose Olson. So she is currently. Are you an M4 now, Rose? Or do you? Yeah, take, you M- could say that. Okay. <laughs> M4. I'm taking a little hiatus, but I'm entering back soon. Okay, cool. Oh, okay. So M4 at um, the University of Minnesota Medical School. I know her from undergrad, um, and she's done some really cool research. And I'll just let her talk about it. Yeah. So hi, everybody. Thanks for having me here. Sure. So, um. Yeah, so I am a research consultant at the World Health Organization. I work in the Department of Reproductive Health and Research on the Violence Against Women team. So the project that I initially started on was to do a systematic review on virginity testing. Mm. And when I was given this task, I had no idea what virginity testing was. I didn't know it was something that was actually done. Um, But I learned that... um, it's an exam that a lot of young unmarried women and girls are oftentimes forced to undergo um, or under threat or coercion that's supposed to assess whether or not they've ever had sex. And um, it's usually done by looking at the hymen for tears or looking at or size of the opening, or they'll do a a vaginal exam to look for the laxity of the vagina. And um, it's usually done um, to try and make some statement about their social or moral value in their community. So, um, lots of times it's done by doctors or sometimes police officers or community leaders. Um, and actually lots of times it's done in the medical assessment for rape. So, yeah. So where is this common? Um, so it's common, in countries, over 20 different countries have been documented in published research, but we think there's probably a lot more countries than just that. Um, but it, it varies uh, a lot. It's, you know, South Africa has a long tradition, community tradition, certain, certain communities in South Africa. It's not um, common in that most people, <laughs> you know, very certain communities yeah, in sure. um, South Africa, Swaziland, um, it's been reported in Indonesia, India. Um, the, it's used in the medical examination of rape. It has been used. It's no longer, um, they had a big court case and it's no longer allowed, although there's a lot of, um, anecdotally, a lot of doctors saying it's still being done, especially in rural areas. Um, and then it's being um, reported more commonly in certain immigrant groups in North America and also in mm-hmm. Europe. So there's been um, reports that have surfaced in Sweden and, um, there's been requests at least reported in other countries throughout Europe. So more, uh, more people are starting to learn about it as kind of globalization makes its way. And, um, you know, more communities are reaching out into other communities. And, and I think also it's just the increased awareness of violence against women and gender discrimination. It's, it's gaining more momentum, um, internationally, getting more international recognition as a human rights violation. So that's kind of what I was started with. And after my task was to see was kind of twofold, uh, to first figure out whether or not there is any scientific evidence that there is any exam that you can, that a doctor or any other person could use to prove someone is a virgin. Um, that was the first thing. And secondly, to see what are some of the effects, the physical, 
psychological, social effects on a person, a girl or woman who is subjected to the exam. So that's the um, project that I started a few years ago, and we published a paper on that uh, last April. Um, and there is no exam that can prove whether or not a girl is a virgin. And the idea, this um, kind of this anatomic obsession with the hymen as a, <laughs> an indicator of virginity is a complete myth. And, you know, they've actually done a ton of studies in the U.S. And, on um, the studies, a lot of them come from um, rape or sexual assault cases where doctors are asked to perform a rape exam on a young girl and try and prove whether or not the girl was sexually abused. And, you know, lawyers obviously, and the judicial system wants, and, you know, the family and everyone involved wants to know if there's a way to prove by an exam that, uh, someone's been abused. Um, but there's, and, you know, it's not to say that there isn't a certain, um, there, there's a, there's a, under certain circumstances, the sexual assault exam is very useful because just like any other piece of tissue in the body, um, it can get damaged. So, um, you know, in certain circumstances you might look at bruises or tears or bleeding on the gynecologic exam to try and, you know, see whether or not someone's been subjected to force, but there's no, none of the studies have ever shown that, um, you know, that there's a specific type of tear to the hymen or something that can prove whether or not someone's, um, had vaginal sex. So, and actually what a lot of the literature has shown that uh, is that a normal exam, like a normal exam that you'd expect on some, on a non-virgin young girl is, um, just as likely in someone who's been sexually abused. So, um, a lot of that literature and through some of my, and a lot of searching, you know, we looked at every country, you know, any, any published study that's ever been, you know, no time limits or anything like that. Um, and all, you know, we included 17 different studies and none of them were able to show that there's any indicator. And the thing is, is when you look at the hymen by exam, it changes with age, exposure to estrogen. It varies a lot by individual and, um, even yeah, method of exam. Um, and you know, it's just a very unreliable test. And so it sounds a bit with, like trying to determine like whether somebody has ever touched something by looking at their fingerprints. Right. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. You can't, yeah, exactly. You can't, you can't prove just by looking at a physical object, what it's been through or where it's been or why necessarily. So, um, and it's also kind of an interesting thing that we even become so obsessed with looking for a way to prove a young girl's virginity. And that kind of goes more into the human rights and kind of the yeah. sociologic and historical mm -hmm. obsession with a woman and girl's virginity yeah. an unmarried woman's virginity. Um, and it's yeah. almost like we shouldn't believe women when they tell us things. Right. Wow. <laughs> right. <laughs> Maybe we should. We're just looking do that. for an objective way for a doctor to tell us. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that also it's kind of like this question goes loaded with the idea of, you know, we have so much cultural weirdness around the idea of like female virginity specifically and what, um, what it, you know, the, all of the like terms that they use, like, women popping their cherry if you will and like all of those weird like ideas about purity ideas and... about purity and like how a woman is whole 
you know, if she's a virgin and, um, and people trying to like make that a medical, a medically objective thing, which is just, you know, not exactly. And, you know, um, and it's this term, you know, medicalization of, because virginity isn't a scientific term. It's not a medical term. It's really a social and cultural, um, idea that, you know, it, de- you know, and it's, def- it's definition depends on, you know, who you talk to, you know, you would, you can talk about how it's very hetero- heteronormative and, you know, what happens when a gay man has sex, is he losing his virginity the first time he has sex? Is that it really doesn't, it kind of loses its, it's trying to translate a social and cultural and religious word into, um, into the scientific world, which which I think doctors and healthcare providers that perform the exam can really end up doing a lot of harm because they kind of can be lots of times, you know, they're viewed a lot of times with respect as, um, sources of the truth and, and with respect. Mm-hmm. So if they perform these exams, which in some contexts they do, they're, they have a, I think they have a responsibility to not make it any more socially acceptable and also to, to educate and reaffirm, you know, young women and girls rights to their body and that, you know, no one can, mm-hmm you know, touch them without their consent and nobody can, and and no piece of tissue or nobody else can determine their value or worth. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, it definitely goes into this, I think kind of gender discrimination and our obsession with young women and girls virginity. And, and I think also with the idea that women for a long time in many societies and almost all societies, um, have been considered properties of their fu- fathers or husbands. Lots of times these people that are being brought in for virginity tests are their dads before just to figure out how high the dowry will be because a virgin mm-hmm. gets a higher dowry or a husband who's worried that their wife had sex before they got married or fiance, I should say. Mm-hmm. So it's this idea that, of that women's bodies, you know, are sometimes considered objects of male dominance and that a woman's value is defined by her purity. And, and it really, I think it creates this type of framework for men to feel entitled to control female sexual behavior. And I think virginity testing is just kind of one of many different ways this has played out in history. And I don't think, yeah, I don't think that, yeah, there's many other ways, many other examples, historical examples and social examples of um, violence against women and, um, the lack of women's ability to control their bodies. So, yeah, it's been a very interesting (laughs) experience and research topic. Mm -hmm. Katie and I actually, um, witnessed this when we were in Niger. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, firsthand. And it was, yeah, very, not a nice thing at all. Yeah. Uh, It's very traumatic. Yeah. It was very traumatic. Uh, mostly, yeah, for, for the person, for the person and, involved. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Um, and was somebody else bringing them in? in yeah, situation? her parents. It was actually a really, really young her mom, girl. Yeah. Um, and it was oh. like to disprove rape, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but the exam was conducted under not pleasant circumstances also. So yeah. there's yeah. a lot of yelling involved. But anyway, <laughs> I like yeah. almost started crying. It was yeah. really, it was, really wow. it was bad. But um. The other thing I was going to, so you just, I mean, you just brought this up, but you know, the idea that like, 
I mean, I've heard physicians in the U.S. that are now being asked to like perform these um, and just like uh-huh. hearing what some of like the people that I have talked to have said. Because, um, mm-hmm. you know, like it's one thing to, for like us to know that it's not scientific and that we literally cannot tell. And it's another thing to try to educate a father who like believes this, you know, and like it's such a core part of his belief system. Um, okay. And so like. Is there a recommendation on like as a future OBGYN, like what I should like what we should do if because like my thought process is just to like ask the patient what she wants me to say. And that is what mm-hmm. I'll do, because I mean, and also educate and being like, this is not scientific, blah, blah, blah. But like, I'm just going to say what the patient wants me to say, because that's my duty is to the patient. But is there like a recommendation? Um. So. My personal recommendation and then um, from doing this research is, you know, in lots of these situations, the person that's being subjected to the exam or being requested the exam isn't in control. And so I would definitely talk to the woman or girl alone. Mm -hmm. And like you said, um, try and understand, you know, if this is truly something that they want to get done and also understand why. And I think just to share with them to say, you know, this actually isn't my job as a doctor because this isn't a medical test and there's really mm-hmm. no way to prove someone's a virgin by an exam. And just to try and I think, and I think it's important to say those words though, to say that this isn't a medical exam, um, just because even, you know, I, I understand definitely the that this is a very deeply, for a lot of people, a very deeply entrenched personal, religious, social issue that you can't necessarily think you can change just with, um, one conversation, but to open up the conversation and, um, let them know that, you know, they have the rights to their body and that, um, and that they have the right to control their body and that, um, and just, yeah, be open and ask, ask, be open to hear, understand their reason for getting the exam in the first place. Mm-hmm. But it's not, it's not a easy thing to do. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But, um, in these countries where this is common and I guess where this is, where the, you know, with people migrating to other countries where this is coming from basically mm-hmm. is it, and you mentioned the the fact that this is you know sort of a medicalization of a of a of a social construct mm-hmm. is it correct or right to look at these doctors who are doing this in these other countries as just lacking scientific knowledge or in addition to it, this being sort of a power issue, mm-hmm. um, I mean, is it that they really believe that they can do this? Test? I think in some places, yes. I think you know, in India, in some hospitals in India, it was, you know, the virginity exam was part of their um, sexual assault form. So it was, at, you know, and the virginity exam has been in different medical textbooks in some countries. So I think it's, you know there's probably multiple reasons a doctor may perform the exam. You know, maybe they think that they really can prove 
uh, and maybe they're not updated on the latest research that says that there is no way to prove someone's virginity by exam. Yeah, I guess you know, what I'm saying. I mean, they, in your medical they, school and in your textbooks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they must think things. that they can prove it. I mean, I guess that wasn't the right thing to ask, but I don't know. I guess I'm trying to get at like, is it, are they backwards? Are, you, uh, are they backwards scientifically? I mean, are they, they, in, in general, like in medicine as a whole. I don't think I get where you're trying to ask either. Okay. Dave. Well then maybe I, I think can. They're, they're just like behind. So basically I, the problem that I think that we're having is that we expect medicine to like be based on like evidence. And like, that's what we have been like grown up in as like far as like learning Mm -hmm. science but like that's forgetting that like a ton of medicine is based on like bullshit ideas that like are not actually provable like there's stuff that we still do to this day that has no evidence base and like and like you'll have okay this is kind of a bad example but like C. diff, for example, okay, there are tons of nurses and doctors who think that they can smell C. diff, like what it smells like. Mm -hmm. However, that's scientifically proven that that's not true. Right. And so I kind of see it as like a comparable thing. Like, you know what I mean? Like they've they've been told that they can tell and so they were trained how to do it and then now they feel like they can. But the reality is, you know, according to research and objective, you know, data, they can't. Mm -hmm. So it's it's not necessarily like well it's a lot of confirmation bias yeah is also not helpful like in this situation because like you also i mean if you're a good doctor you're getting a history so you already know if your patient's sexually active or not so then that probably informs your exam Mm -hmm. so this is exactly what i was trying trying to get at my poor questioning this is why i love katie and corbin as my (laughs) co-host Yeah, no. And I, and it's, you know, I think we're starting to be more careful about why we subject people to any physical exams. Mm -hmm. You know, does this actually, you know, so many physical exams are uncomfortable and, um, lots of tests are uncomfortable. Lots of, you know, no one likes to get their blood drawn or pinpricked. And, you know, sometimes even our lab tests don't stack up to the evidence. And we just, we, we have these things in our society too. I think it's, you know, imp- very important though to recognize that this exam specifically is violates a girl or woman's rights, and so it can have lots of physical and psych- psychological effects, yeah. um, as well as you know long-term effects on their social well-being. And you know, it's discriminatory, and and it's right. when it's performed without consent is a, can. Um, be viewed as a form of sexual violence. Yeah. So I think I actually think I think about this a lot when cuz you know both Katie and I are going to do OBGYN and the kind of mo- one of the most important parts of the OBG the you know like p- or the one that people talk about a lot is you know pelvic exams or pap smears. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times in in our field people when we talk to our patients we don't have that conversation enough about like this is actually your choice and like mm-hmm. there's a lot of reason good reasons why your OBGYN wants to do a mm-hmm. pap smear like mm-hmm. cervical cancer is a terrible disease that um much of the world is still you know at risk for and still suffers from you know high rates of cervical cancer and death from cervical cancer and without cervical cancer testing you know like in it's a huge thing but we sometimes i think 
we can forget that like we don't have the right as OBGYN, even though we have good intentions Mm -hmm. about those Mm -hmm. exams, like we don't have the right to be like today we're going to do this exam, Mm -hmm. you know, like exactly. And it has to be more of a conversation. Yeah. I just think that's a a problem you see in all form, all areas of medicine is we really aren't putting the patient at the center for choosing uh, what is being done to their bodies. And you can, and I, I think in some ways that can contribute to lots of the issues that women and girls have with, um, people touching them without their consent. I mean, Mm -hmm. if you are going to touch someone, touch someone's sexual organs, you need to be asking their consent in all contexts. You need to teach that from a young age. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, what I was going to say, so, something that like really helped me reframe this is that I just so I I was just on women's wellness um as a rotation which is like a psych course about uh, basically the psych portion of women's health so things like mm-hmm. post premenstrual dysphoric disorder um like fertility issues all that stuff but anyway um one of the uh, phys- family physicians at Iowa that actually runs our LGBTQ health clinic um, came and gave a little talk during one of their like kind of grand rounds type things um, and she was talking she's actually going to be a guest on the show soon too but she was talking about how like with her trans men that still have a vagina like I asked her like how do you deal with a pelvic exam and she's like yeah. it takes years for those patients mm-hmm. to be okay with a pelvic exam Um, and she's like, and that's their decision and that's their choice and it has to be okay. Um, but I mean, it's like true. Cause like there's tons of women who have, I mean, we talked about this on our public exam episode. Like there's tons of women who have like trauma, um, and Mm -hmm. you do have a responsibility to them to like, let it be their choice and explain it and you know, everything. Yeah. And in fact, that can be the most important thing you do for women who have been raped or had any sort of sexual abuses to make them feel in control because they are in control of what happens to their body and they haven't, that hasn't always been respected. And, you know, if you're a trusted person that they're allowing into their space to ask, you know, all people. We brought this up a lot on former episodes, but also just the idea that like the definition of virginity as like penis and vagina penetrative Mm -hmm. sex is just like antiquated and cultural and so like made up like it's so trivial Mm -hmm. um so that's Mm -hmm. like can always be reiterated yeah definitely it's pretty interesting the idea of virginity has so much value in our Mm -hmm. uh social context but really kind of (laughs) breaks down when you try to find one universal definition there really isn't one yeah well and like we were talking about earlier, like people don't care about men's virginity as much. Right. And yeah, yeah anyway, it's not that. That's it's always not. the counter argument I get is, well, what about men's virginity? You know, like, who cares and, about um, men's virginity? Like, you know, who cares about virginity? Oh, period. If, if a man wears all white to his wedding, he's just, you know, maybe making a, a fashion bad fashion student, choice, you know, whereas if it's a woman, like that's the expectation because they're virgin. Yeah. Which is yeah. also so stupid. But yeah, I mean, it Whatever. literally doesn't matter for men. Yeah, I mean, nobody It's like know, yeah. shames men for... No, in fact, it's, of course, as just Lauded. about every American yeah. knows, it is the opposite. Yeah. Um, you know, for uh, men. Anyway. Well, well, I think... Do you have anything else, Rose, or any other thoughts? Um, or You don't have to if you don't, but... If... Rose, what are you going to do when you're uh, 
done with med school. When you grow up. When I've grown up. <laughs> yeah. Um, I know what these I guys are going to do, but. <laughs> I'm applying to internal medicine pediatrics. Oh, and, oh the combined program? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Nice. Good yeah, luck. And I hope to continue doing, well, I am going to be continuing doing more of this type of research and I have a couple projects underway right now on other topics too with in, in relating to violence against women. But um, but I did think a long time about OBGYN, so I'm happy for you guys and congratulations on matching and everything. That's Thanks. very exciting. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> yeah, we're ex- I'm I'm so excited for you. Rose. That was not supposed to be like a bad good luck. Like good actually, luck. Good, actually, good no, luck. I'm sure you'll do great. You're gonna I do great, Rose, no and I'm really excited for you. And also wanna thank you for the research that the spent time you spent, yeah. you know, doing this. It's so important and it's really awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been really interesting. I you know, as a justice and peace studies major in undergrad, and I've always been interested in sociology. And obviously, I'm gonna be a doctor and this has kind of helped me understand how important the social and cultural and historical aspects of someone's life affect their medical health and mm-hmm. that it's a lot more broad than the biomedical approach that um our medical the United States medical system is focused mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So definitely opened up my understanding of, you know, health. Right. Yeah, that's awesome. But also the the influence that you will one day have on your patients in society. I mean, if it, if it, if you say, yeah, I can tell that, you know, by looking that someone's a virgin, they will believe you. And so that might, yeah. that must be a little humbling to, yeah. to think about. Yeah. Yeah. It's really important. I think to realize lots of times in your privilege, you don't spend a lot of time thinking about your power. And mm-hmm. I think as, a white woman in the U S who is also going to be a doctor. Um, it's just so important to kind of recognize, take a step back and realize like the power dynamics and the yeah. doctor patient relationship and how that can might be affecting the conversation and the yeah. conversations that aren't happening too. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And I think also in that privilege, privilege, realizing that I think with privilege comes the assumption that your views are the norm or your culture is the norm, you know? Mm -hmm. And so appreciating the fact that you, you bring a set of values to the conversation and that influences, you know, how you relate to other people and realizing that those values aren't always their values and, Mm -hmm. and that they're not always perfect. Yeah. 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 You played instruments, right, Rose? Uh, not don't, very well. But don't tell <laughs> us. Okay, so Corbin has to guess. I do a thing where I guess people's instruments, and maybe I used to know this when we were in college together. I feel like you played something like the violin or something like that. Oh, you think I'm so um, <laughs> cultured? No, I, I do. I have or clarinet or something. <laughs> she played the, uh, one of the uncultured instruments, like the slide whistle. The trumpet is the most uncultured. <laughs> <laughs> the kazoo? Just Was it a kazoo? kazoo. <laughs> I, can, I can use a kazoo in some musical ways. I think. <laughs> nice. nice. Do you have a guess, Katie? I, I played the trumpet in second grade. Oh, uh, nice. But I can't piano a little bit that's okay. actually probably the right answer very nice mm. cool man i'm like 
one for five or something like yeah. that. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> it's a really weird game you have, yeah. Corbin. It's a great game, though. I really enjoy Honestly, it. Honestly, we though. should probably do this at the beginning to like be an icebreaker, but <laughs> it also like lightens up the end of our show yeah. a little bit. Okay, now I'm going to guess your favorite color, which I'm going to go. I like no, literally have not even seen you, so I'm going to guess purple. Oh my gosh, yes. Okay, I think I'm like at least 50%. Katie's better at it than I am. That's pretty good. There's a lot more color. Yeah, there's a lot of colors. That's true. It's true. Wow, see, Corbin, I have that much better. All right, Corbin, I guess you know that well. Well, I guess good thing I have a backup career. Uh, All right, shall we do fallopian files? Sure. Yeah, let's do the fallopian files. Um, So I can start. um, My... Uh, Philippian file is specifically a tweet but it also has a link to an article in it but I just I retweeted this and I have been thinking about it ever since I retweeted it because it's very powerful so the tweet is by Lisa Fuentes um, at Fuentes underscore Lisa with a Z Um, so it says researchers need to stop saying race influences or is a risk for a health outcome that is not an explanation for the statistical association between the variables you modeled race isn't a risk factor in maternal health racism is Um, which I think is just like a really powerful thought of the fact that like duh yeah like (laughs) adverse health health outcomes for different races is like totally based on racism because even like I was you know I was like really trying to think about this and I was like well you know African Americans have higher rates of like hypertension for instance but then in my head I'm like okay but also like that is one because of racism and like sociocultural things such as diet and like housing and all this stuff but second is because like we don't have enough good evidence-based medicine to treat hypertension in the African-American population. And that is racism, like yeah. period, end of story. And, and their diet and housing is yeah, probably... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so anyway, it just like kind of, I've been thinking about it a lot and I think it's um, the article that... Same with like, like asthma, you know, living conditions. Mm-hmm. Or right, like, yeah. You know, like what... The stress of being constantly... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Profiled against. Right. Um, yeah. So anyway, it links to an article from Rewire News. So, um, but yeah, it's just like, I haven't actually read the article, which I definitely should do, but I just have been thinking about that statement and like, I think it will profoundly change the way that I practice medicine. So yeah. that's exciting. My um, my fallopian files is also on a, lo- a little heavier topic, but it's Radio Lab just did a three part series about the border. It's called like the border trilogy, and basically they talk about essentially like how we got the modern border, um, so what laws changed that basically forced people who are crossing the U.S. Mexico border, um without documents how how it came to be that they have to cross in like extremely dangerous areas basically and how how many people have like died on the border since that time and so it's really interesting and it was a story that i wasn't really that familiar with so um i definitely recommend it that sounds cool my uh my fallopian files is uh trader joe's rhubarb and strawberry soda not a sponsor I wish. <laughs> I've just discovered it this week, and it's a beautiful thing. If you want, yeah. if you want a low calorie, not no calorie. If you want yeah. a low calorie, sixty calories worth it. Uh, a can of pie, then you should go. <laughs> then you should get this. A can of pie. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty good. It's quite the sell. Uh, do you have anything that you would like to share as a fallopian file, Rose? Yeah, um, my fallopian file is a really good 
podcast I listened to, I think it came out back in March called five women, but it is so well done. It's one of the best podcasts I think I've ever listened to. And it details the story of five different women that worked for the same man. And they just do a great job of weaving in the five different stories. And it's a me too, a kind of different kind of me too story, but I definitely would recommend a listen, the five, about five women. Wow. That sounds cool. So yeah, it's very good. Well, all right. Thanks for talking with us today, Rose. Yeah, of course. That was was fun. It was really interesting. (laughs) Um, Good luck with your M4 year. Thanks. Yeah. I have four more months of rotations and then I'm free. That's it? (laughs) Oh, you're... Well, yeah. And then you got a match, but I I mean... Front-loaded. Yeah. Yeah, I know, right? Just those little things. Just details. Yeah. (laughs) I was going to say, if you come to Austin to interview, but I actually don't think there's a MedPeds program in Austin. I'm not sure. Well, hey, Um, maybe I'll just come to Austin. Yeah, just come to Austin anyway. You can stay with me. (laughs) If you come to South Carolina, you can hang out with me. I don't know. I don't know if we have med warmer places. I know. (laughs) We're putting the April winter behind us. Yeah. Forever. All right, everybody. All right. We'll We'll see you next time. Talk to you later. When we'll be doctors. Bye. Stop. Bye.